0: Let me start with a story. In a field one summer's day, a grasshopper was hopping about, chirping and singing to its heart's content. An ant passed by, bearing along with great toil an ear of corn he was taking to the nest. Why not come and chat with me, said the grasshopper, instead of toiling and moiling in that way? I am helping to lay up food for the winter, said the ant, and recommend you do the same. Why bother about winter, said the grasshopper. We have got plenty of food at present. But the ant went on its way and continued its toil. Now when the winter came, the grasshopper had no food and found itself dying of hunger while it saw the ants distributing everyday corn and grain from the stores they had collected in the summer. Then the grasshopper knew it is best to prepare for days of need. It's an old story. It's one that you've probably heard when you were growing up. And it really fits in with this idea that we're going to be talking about today of work. Work. Now, when God created man, he created man to work. Now, it's not work that was a punishment, but it was something that man was created to do. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So we see that this idea of work It's not something that was, that that happened to us as, as, as we grew, uh, as humanity, um, went along the timeline of history, but it's what we were created to do. Even for Adam, he didn't, he, God didn't create Adam to just hang around and do nothing. He created Adam to work the garden of Eden. Now, as we read through the, the book of Proverbs that we're in, We're looking at some of the major themes, these Proverbs, which are short statements that provide truth and advice. We see that there are two types of workers that are mentioned in the book of Proverbs that exist in our world. Firstly, the sluggard, and secondly, the hard worker. A sluggard is defined as a habitually lazy person. Now, pause for a moment and think about who the sluggard is in your life. And maybe if you can't think of who it is, it could be you. Who knows? They aren't just lazy. Sluggards aren't just lazy, but they have a habit of being lazy. And the Proverbs, they actually give us five different qualities of a sluggard. Okay? I didn't make this stuff up. This is all in the Proverbs. Okay? Number one, the love of sleep. Sluggards love to sleep. That snooze button is the best invention in the world. Sleep isn't just rest for the sluggard, but in one sense is an escape. From the responsibilities that they may have. Proverbs twenty six fourteen As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Uh, Proverbs six, nine and ten, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest? Proverbs nineteen fifteen. Laziness brings on deep sleep, and the shiftless go hungry. The first quality of a sluggard is they love to sleep. Secondly, is their inability to start. I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow. Is one of the qualities of. A sluggard, Proverbs 21, 25 to 26. The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. They want to do stuff, but they just don't. They can't. Thirdly, the inability to stick and finish a task. Sluggards may start something, but they rarely finish it. Proverbs 19, 24, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. Now, just pause on that. I had to really think about what that proverb actually meant. I think it's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. The idea is this, the sluggard is so lazy that he will put his hand in the food bowl or plate but he's so lazy that it doesn't even get to his mouth. That's how lazy the sluggard is. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty seven: The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. Once again, they go out and they hunt, but the sluggard can't even be bothered to cook what they have caught. They have an inability to stick and finish a task. Number four, they make excuses. The sluggard can make an excuse for anything, all the time. They find a reason to not do something, even if the, the reason is as ridiculous as can be. Proverbs twenty two thirteen. The sluggard says, I love this, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. Once again, Proverbs twenty-six, thirteen. A sluggard says, "There's a lion on the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets." This is how ridiculous the excuses of a sluggard sound. How extreme! But the sluggard is very good at making excuses. Number five, they are full of advice. The sluggard thinks that his days of observing other people work has made him wise and insightful. Proverbs 26.16, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. You know who these people are? They're the people that are always willing to give you advice but never show it to you in their life. That's a sluggard. You know who I'm talking about. All those people that want to tell you how to live your life instead of how to show you how to live your life. The Bible paints a pretty comical picture of a sluggard, And I think that's on purpose. Right? One that is just so lazy. So lazy that they, they put the spoon in the bowl of rice but can't even be bothered to lift it up and put it in their mouth. It's ridiculous. I'm not going to do a job because I think there's a lion outside. Ridiculous, right? But, the Proverbs also tell us that there are consequences of this kind of laziness. Number one, self-evident ruin. Sluggards build ruin for themselves because of their laziness. Proverbs twenty four thirty to 34. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who had no sense thorns had come up everywhere the ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man they ruin themselves because of their laziness Secondly, sluggard, the laziness suffers poverty and want. Laziness can lead to poverty. Proverbs 20, chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 4, Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing and that's very similar to the story of the grasshopper and the ant 2 Thessalonians 3:10 for even when we were with you we gave you this rule the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat sluggards can suffer poverty and want thirdly The consequences of being lazy is you can lose your independence. Lazy people can't live for themselves and end up having to depend on others. Uh, Proverbs 12, 24, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. They're always putting out their hands to other people. They lose that sense of independence because they are lazy. Finally, uh, the uh, the consequence of being lazy is they get frustrated of getting nowhere. Lazy people find themselves not getting anywhere and that can become very frustrating. Proverbs 13.4, a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Proverbs 21.25 and 26, the craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. What a picture of a sluggard. Sluggard, whose life is marked with laziness, leads to poverty and ruin. But also in the Proverbs, it paints us a picture of the opposite of a sluggard, which is a hard-working man or woman. And there are four qualities of a hard-working man or woman. Number one, they are self-motivated. And disciplined. Proverbs six, six to eight. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. The hard working person doesn't need someone to tell them to work. They can take the initiative, they can be self motivated because they can see the future. They can plan ahead. And that's the hardworking man. Secondly, the hardworking man knows why they need to work. Proverbs ten four to five: Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who loses, he who sleeps during harvest is a gr- is a disgraceful son. They know. The hardworking person knows when it is time to work and when it is time to play. They have insight. They have insight into their situation and also insight into the future, and they plan ahead. Thirdly, the hardworking man receives recognition. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Hard workers get recognized for their work. People are drawn. To people that are hardworking, that are faithful, and that are efficient and effective. That, this is, I know it sounds kind of even worldly, but these are the proverbs. This is wisdom literature from scripture. People are drawn to successful people. People are drawn to people that work hard. Finally, the hard-working man is rewarded for his work. Proverbs 10.4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring what? Wealth. Proverbs 13.4, a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. These Proverbs tell us that the hard worker, it's not just about having insight, but actually are rewarded for their work brings about wealth, and brings about a fully satisfied life. This is what the Proverbs teach to us about work. That you can be a sluggard and lazy, or you can be hardworking. And the consequences between these two, the choice you make of the type of worker you want to be, is going to be the difference between life and death, riches and poverty, fullness and emptiness. One of the assumptions that we have to take into account, however, when we read uh, these Proverbs about work, is the assumption that you are able to work. However, we know that there are people in our society that cannot work because of internal or external circumstances. Don't listen to this sermon. Call your 90-year-old grandmother who lies in bed watching Oprah and tell her that she is a sluggard because she does not work. You've got to put it into context. The point is this. If you are able to work, you should choose wisdom and choose to be hardworking and not a sluggard, not laziness. And if you see yourself, you're listening and you feel like, oh, actually, there's a few of these traits of a sluggard in my work, then, even then, choose wisdom. Choose wisdom to work hard and move towards that direction. The Proverbs speak. They speak about these issues. Now, why is this such an important issue? If you think about it, we spend, you know, on an, on an average week, you know, you're talking 40 hours a week, right? Most of us are out there hustling. Most of us are out there trying to make a living. Most of us are out there trying to support people around us through our work, what Scripture wants us to know, what the Proverbs want us to know is this. Are you working with wisdom? Because that's what it's—that's the picture that it's giving to us. And that's the picture of the Proverbs, right? You can either live with wisdom or you can live without wisdom. And in the same way, you can either work with wisdom or work without wisdom. And the consequences are very different. Now, let me remind you what wisdom is. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And actually, our attitude towards work has so much more to do with who we believe we are working for. It doesn't matter what you do for work. It doesn't matter if you're an academic. It doesn't matter if you're in high school. Your work is to study. It doesn't matter if you're out on the field or you're in an office, whether you're teaching people whether you're cooking, whether you're a tradie, it doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't say anything about the type of work you do. But it's a reminder that whatever work we do, we've got to choose to do it with wisdom. And to do that, it means that when we work, we've got to work with the fear of God, meaning you've got to have God in mind. Who you work for, who you believe you work for, will actually determine the way you work. Let me give you an example. If your mum tells you, if you're still living at home, if your mum says, hey, you need to vacuum the house, not many of us get excited about that kind of work, right? And what do you do? You procrastinate. You think, "How late can I do this before I get busted by my mum?" Or, "How many times can I hear my mum nag and nag and nag about this before I actually have to vacuum?" And so when you finally vacuum, you're doing it because you don't want to hear nagging, because you know, you're begrudgingly doing it. There's no joy in that kind of work. right? No one's getting excited. However, if you were dating, right? And your new boyfriend and girlfriend was going to come over to your house to have a meal, you would so very happily pick up that vacuum. And you would vacuum so hard. You would be so excited to vacuum your house because of what was happening after. Complete change in attitude, complete change in perspective, right? Or if you got a message, right? Mom calls you and goes, hey, empty the dishwasher. You're like, Ugh. you know, I'll get there, do it, blah, blah, blah. Bill Gates calls you and says, empty the dishwasher. You sort of go, Okay. Now, I don't know why Bill Gates would call you and tell you to empty the dishwasher, but just go with that picture. Because this is the thing. When you work, when you work, you've got to remember who you're working for. The problem is, when we have an attitude that we work for ourselves, that we live for ourselves, right? then we're our own boss and we get to control our own timesheets and we get to control our own attitudes. And If we feel like it, great, we'll do it. If we don't feel like it, then we won't do it. If, we, if we're in a great situation, then great, we'll, we'll enjoy the work. And if we're not in a great situation, then we'll complain, moan. But Proverbs reminds us that it's actually... Not us that we're working for. But actually, it's God that we're working for. Too many of us, our work is about me, my career, my finances, uh, you know, what I like to do, my dreams. But scripture tells us that even when we work, It's actually not for you. That actually the wisdom, the the wisdom says that we work for God. Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, once again, it doesn't matter what kind of work you do. That's not what Proverbs is talking about. But it's the attitude towards work. And if you're working for God, if you've got the opportunity to work for God, then the way we work has to reflect that. It has to reflect our heart for God. But the problem is it doesn't. The problem is... Our greatest boss is actually ourself, And so we do anything and everything to cut corners. We do anything and everything and we complain about our work. We, you know, we, we complain about what works there and what's not there. Because you're still trying to just please yourself. But when you know that you're working for God, When we understand that it's God that we work for, then our attitude and our perspective changes. Suddenly all these complaints, suddenly all this idea that we're not fulfilled, suddenly the way that we talk to people around us at our workplace, it changes. Because you add wisdom. And wisdom says, whatever you do, you do with the fear of the Lord. I know so many people are are so unhappy with their work. So many people go to work, they come back, they just complain. They're so unhappy about the people at their work. They're so unhappy about the money that they earn. They're so unhappy about the holidays that they have or they don't have. You know, I know people, and I'm slightly guilty of this as well, they're always on seek always looking for the next new, new thing. Uh, not to say that I'm, you know, I'm unhappy about my work at church. Obviously, I, I love you and I love the church. I'm just, you know, it's just a bad habit of mine. But I think that, that, that displeasure builds up when we take God out of the picture. And actually, if we fear the Lord and we understand that the work that is in front of us for this season, whatever it might be, is what God has given to us, then we accept our reality and we do our best to honor God in the situation we're in. It's the difference between having God in that picture and not having God in that picture. And that's the difference between working with wisdom and working without. So friends... When you work, whatever you do, do it with the respect, reverence, and fear of the Lord. That, that is what it means to work with wisdom. And even now, in the middle of lockdown, I know there are some people that you know their shifts are cut. I know that for some people, the longer this goes on, it's going to be even harder uh, to maintain financially. But even then, what does God say? Hey, fear me, trust me, and I will look after you. I will take care of you. I will make your path straight. And So friends, I pray that as you work, whatever it is that you do, that you will work with wisdom, that you will work with the fear of the Lord. Let's pray.